Welcome to Get Amplified from the Amplified Group, a podcast for leaders and aspiring leaders, where everything we talk about focuses on extraordinary teams, and where we get to hear from our guests, leaders who share their experiences and insights on how they've built and maintained extraordinary teams themselves. As usual, we're virtual. I'm in the Netherlands. Vicky is in Oxfordshire. However, we don't have Sam as our host. We haven't retired him, I promise you. He's still in Bucks, but as he knows our guest today so well, we thought it'd be best to switch things up. So Sam is going to do the introduction. So over to you, Sam. Great. Thanks, Shah. So I'm absolutely delighted with our guest today. So our guest today is Colin Brown, um, Managing Director or just about retired Managing Director of Softcat. Um, I worked for Colin for uh, six years. Um, I've known Colin for for probably eight years now. Um, he was my favorite boss at Softcat. Don't tell Martin and certainly don't tell Pete because I'll get in trouble for that one, I'm sure. Um, and just a wonderful human being to work with. So I'm really excited to have him on the uh, on the podcast today. Uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover because Colin was obviously a great big, massive part of the Softcat story and the Softcat journey. Um, he had a stellar career prior to Softcat. Um, Probably a good, a good point to bring Colin in and uh, ask him to give us a bit of a, a career history to date, really. Thank you, Sam. And um, I, I hope I can uh, actually stand up to that grand introduction. <laughs> you you certainly me. can. You've bigged me up a little bit there. But um, <clears throat> yes, very briefly, um, as you say, I've just finished uh, eight years as managing director of Softcat uh, from 2012 through to, to, to the current day, um, which was uh, an amazing journey, which we'll talk about in a bit more detail uh, over the next wee while. Prior to that, I uh, was general manager for services at uh, Microsoft UK, so sat on the, the board of the, the Microsoft UK team, uh, which was uh, an incredible time as well. And then a long time, uh, about 18 years at Computer Centre, uh, originally working in uh, the UK business, uh, where I was general manager for uh, public sector business for quite a while. And then for the last four years of my time at Computer Centre, I was the CEO of Computer Center Germany, which was an acquisition that we had made. And uh, I had the, the privilege to go and integrate that business and then lead that business for, um, for almost four years as well. And just to, just to um, complete the journey, my first uh, role or my first job, uh, I've only ever worked for four organizations. I actually worked for the Department of Trade and Industry in the civil service for the first four years of my, uh, of my working life. So, uh, DTI to, to Computer Center to Microsoft to Softcat and uh, and that's it in a nutshell. And uh, just about to take take the next part of your journey, which will be quite interesting, I suppose. Absolutely. Uh, so the, where I wanted to start was when you joined Softcat back in 2012. It was a really interesting time, um, and you had a bit of a class act to follow, didn't you? You know, Martin was MD, then Chief Exec, as Peter, the founder. Uh, moved to chairman and then eventually retired. Um, Martin's quite a big personality and, and as you are and as Peter is a big part of Softcat's success. How on earth do you follow someone like Martin? Yeah, it was quite a challenge, wasn't it really? Um, I mean, you, you raise an interesting point there that I was following Martin. And actually that was, that was um, something that I had to sit and really think about because the previous two roles that I'd had, which was going into Microsoft, um, and prior to that, um, computers into Germany, those were jobs where I had either fixed something or changed a lot of things. So in Microsoft, uh, that services business was, was, was not really in a great state. And, and actually, 
unfortunately, the first thing I had to do though was like 20% of the consultants were redundant because they were just overstaffed and lots of, lots of stuff like that. And in, in Computer Civil Germany, as I've already said, it was an acquisition. So there's a lot of change, a lot of integration. We rebranded, et cetera. So then I joined Softcat, which was this incredibly successful organization that had shown stellar growth for the last five or six years. And uh, Martin, as you've already mentioned, was a, a fantastic leader of the business as managing director, very popular. So, um, you know, the first challenge that I had was A, how do I follow Martin? And B, you know, there was very much an atmosphere of it ain't broke, so don't fix it. So I had to come in and think, like, how can I address this? How can I um, actually make myself useful and, and, and make the Softcat employees think that I was a, a great addition to the team, but without actually undoing and unpicking a lot of the very successful things there? But specifically in terms of how, how do you follow Martin, I think I think the approach I took there really was, um, well, don't don't try to be him. Don't try and ape what he was good at or known for. And and Martin's a unique character anyway, but, but setting that to the side, I think it's a, a generally good tip is just to be yourself, be authentic. Authenticity is a word I always come back to. You can't try and be something you're not. So it would be foolish to try and come in and just try and be him. Um, and obviously, some of the traits were similar in terms, of, in terms of what we wanted from the business and how we would go about trying to drive success within the business. But I really wanted to be myself, be my own person, um, and, and, and just try and come across as, as my own personality. Um, you know, Martin had a, a, a bit of approach. I think it's probably okay to say that you know, if, you know, he was a bit frightened for some people in Softcat. Um, you know, he's, a, he's a big guy, and he's a, he has a manner about him that sort of makes you sit sit up and listen to him. Uh, I think I'm a much more softer, quieter approach. At the same time, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't a pushover either. And there was some, if there was tough decisions to be made, that I'd, I'd, I'd make the tough decisions and did that. So I think, I think, you know, it was taking my time, soaking things up, did a lot of listening, a lot of working things through in my own head, and then eventually looking for ways uh, that I could um, introduce new things to Softcat that would demonstrate that uh, you know, I was a managing director that would do things my own way and in a different way, and and, and that I was complementary to Martin, who was very much still in the business. And I actually think that that element of Martin and I being complementary was actually a, a key ingredient to the success of Softcat over the following years. From my point of view, that's certainly true. You know, the balance of slightly different styles and slightly different approaches and and slightly different experiences was was really positive. And you know, I always tell people I was. So lucky to learn from first Peter, then Martin, and then you. You know what a what a great selection of bosses to have. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. There was an article. There's an article in the Times today that says, "Want to survive as chief executive? Then take over from a failure." Um, you've proved that it's. I mean, obviously, it wasn't technically chief, the chief executive role, but you've proved that that's not necessarily the only way to do it. Yeah, no, no fantastic. Certainly different ways of doing it, yeah. And, and I think the thing that I had to do was to learn how to communicate and articulate uh, in things in a way that would work within, within Softcat as well. And you know, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an example of that. One of the things that I wanted to, to, to get Softcat to be more focused on, whereas the business had come from very much an SMB focus, uh, I saw straight away that we could easily take the same approach that we that we provide to our customers and the, and the great customer service that we could provide and bring that upper level to enterprise customers. But equally, from talking to a few people, I could see that they, they thought that was a bit daunting. And, you know, that's for the big guys like Computer Center or Capgemini or, or, or people like that. So I could see that was a bit daunting. So I, I wanted to introduce it in a way that was 
you know, that would be welcomed by, by our sales guys. And, and also just sort of thinking about the demographic as well. The way I introduced that was that, you know, we, we had a little, um, a little initiative called that Tower Week, which was very current at the time. And that was really the only way is enterprise. So we had this group of people who were focused on enterprise. So I think just, you know, for me, just trying to articulate and communicate and bring things in in a very soft cat way. And we talk about the soft cat way a lot. Uh, made sure that my ideas were accepted more readily than they would have been just coming in and saying, right, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I think we need to do this. So it's it's trying to, you know, it's like anything. You read the audience, you read the vibe. Yeah, you try and understand what people like and what they will accept and, um, and then work from, from there. Could you put some numbers on the growth that we went through during your, your tenure? Well, we, 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 we regularly... Um, Grew at 20% per annum in terms of in terms of uh, profit, in terms of revenue, uh, and actually more or less similarly in terms of the, the, the people growth. So when I joined, uh, we had about 280 people, and we had a, a revenue of, of 300 million pounds. Um, today there are 1,600 people in Softcat, um, and the revenue is uh, just short of two billion pounds, really, and, and the profitability has, has shot through the roof as well. Um, so, I mean, the numbers are, are just incredible. And, and you know, as, as we always like to remind people, that's organic growth. We, we've never made a single acquisition. Um, so uh, it's, 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 it's been stellar, really. Um, and and you know, we had three offices at the time. Uh, Marlow, you know, where we originally had the headquarters in, in London and Manchester. And, um, and we, added, we added other offices in um, six other cities in um, mainland UK and then Dublin. Uh, in Ireland, and then over the last couple of years as well, we've added uh, business entities in in uh, New York, um, Sydney, Hong Kong, the Netherlands. So yeah, it's been it's it's been fun. It's just I mean the the, the growth and the and the challenging and pushing ourselves has been amazing. But certainly the um uh, the, the the growth purely from figures has been uh, um, stellar. Hence the uh, the share price has done rather well as a result. It has indeed. It has indeed. It's an incredible story, and it was a, a real honour to be a part of it. I guess, mm. as I'm sure, I'm, as I'm sure you feel feel the same. Um, I guess I kind of felt your role almost was as custodian of culture for Softcat. Really, you know, the, the Martin Martin's role as CEO was was almost a very external. You you were looking after the internal. Obviously, there's overlap between the two. Um, how do you keep the personality of the business through all of that crazy growth? Yeah, and I, th- I, think, I think I think your summary is, is pretty much correct. You know, Martin, after I joined Martin, quickly moved to setting us up for the IPO, and that was pretty much a full-time job in itself. So I was you know driving the business internally and, and, and really you know getting the getting the troops to deliver. Um, <clears throat> so I think the, the, the personality and the culture of the business was and is everything. Uh, we're very much. Um, have developed our business right from when Peter started it um, on, on the premise that uh, if we have the highest level of engagement of our employees, if we have, if we have people that come to work with a smile on the face, uh, that work hard, that are productive, that really want to be there, enjoy being there, if we have that, then that will deliver the best levels of customer satisfaction. Um, if we have highly satisfied customers, then they will be loyal to us, which in turn gives you better customer retention, repeat business with those customers, referrals into other customers, et cetera. And that in turn gives you that revenue and profit uh, growth, 
that allows you to, to reinvest that back into the business and gives you, you know, nice, nice workplace, nice atmosphere, nice environment for people to work in. Nice, you know, it, it gives you that affordability of great incentive trips and parties and all the things that Softcat is well known for as well. And, 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 and therefore, this virtual circle of that then feeds back into this high level of um, employer satisfaction and high levels of engagement. So that, you know, that's kind of the ethos of Softcat. And, you know, there's a kind of a, an, an academic um, exposition of that called the service profit chain, but basically it was it was, it was all Pete Kelly's you know thesis of just come to work, have fun, work hard, and the rest will just happen. And, and I love that. So the culture is uh, and always has been the number one thing for Softcat, and the success is the outcome of of, of that approach. And, and as you grow, that gets harder because if you're 50 people in one office, it's it's much much easier. It's not easy, otherwise everybody would do it, but it's much easier to have this great culture and still this great culture and, and, and keep it you know, coming along. The more you, you, you grow that business um, uh, to the point where there's multiple offices, where you, where you just get past that line where you actually don't know everybody's name in your business, which is a really hard line to get past. You know, I think that was, I, I kind of regard that just as a little, uh, a little exemplar of when you've grown to the size where, where there are people that you kind of look at them and go, I know you work for Softcut, but I don't really know your name. And it's, it's hard in one way, but it's actually a sign of success in another way. But keeping that culture uh, was, was very important for us. And, and, and how did we do that? Well, growing, growing the, um, uh, the business into new offices around the UK was, as I've mentioned before we did, was one of those things. So you open a new office in, in, in Bristol and then Leeds and then Glasgow, and what you look for there is the opportunity, first of all, for people to get promoted into senior roles to run those offices, which is great because that's a great sign within the company uh, that there's future opportunities for people. Then when you do that, 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 that office, the Bristol office, the Leeds office, that becomes this little small business, this, this massive growth ambitions, and they want to be as big as the Manchester office or the, or the, or the London office. So they have that small business mentality within the overall confines of the of you know the warmth of the soft cat um, infrastructure, so you get that where you have this kind of small business culture within a, a slightly bigger culture, and the way I've always looked as well at those offices is, <clears throat> I want the, the sort of central DNA of soft cat, this, this 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 culture of soft cat, to be in every office, like running through it like the the the, the letters in a, in a stick of rock, you know, a purple soft cat. If you can imagine that through a stick of rock. So I want that to be the central kernel of, of, of each office. But equally, I want every office to have its own culture, its own personality. It'd be nuts to try and get Softcat Glasgow to emulate or, or be a facsimile of Softcat London. You know, there's a, those are completely different ways of, of doing things, of just being. So you want them to have their own personality. You know, Softcat Glasgow became Tartan, you know, things like that. Um, so, so just looking for ways to try and keep that culture and, and, and define that we're the sort of the small outsiders, which which we were many years ago. But the more you know, the more I was there, and the more you were there, Sam, the bigger we got. It's kind of false to say that we were the little outsiders. You know, we we were becoming well, our heads were well above the parapet. So you know, we had to address that in slightly different ways. Yeah, you know, at least uh, you get at least for some of that feeling with those smaller businesses. Yeah, yeah, you know, that underdog mentality was pretty powerful in the early days. I think we carried a lot of that spirit through, even even when we got into the top ten and eventually the yeah. top three yeah. of, of, of resellers in the UK. It's fantastic. And the, and the, and the other the other thing I say just about the culture is, 
Um, without talking about specific things we did, the other thing that I would say is we spent, as a, as a leadership team, we spent a lot of our time and effort talking about culture, talking about our people. The, the, you know, the, the luxury and the beauty that having such a simple strategy afforded us, and as a reminder, Softcat's strategy is and was to acquire new customers and to sell more to existing customers. That's it. So, sell more stuff to more people was always how that I articulated it. So the luxury uh, of having such a simple strategy uh, afford you is that you can spend a lot more of your time when you're together as a leadership team talking about the things that are really important. In this case, your people, your culture. And you know that thing I always come back to, and you've heard me say this a million times, Sam, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Not yeah. my phrase, it's Peter Drucker's phrase, but yeah. I love it and I'll repeat it. That's the mantra that worked for Softcat all the time. And it certainly holds true. So one of the interesting experiences that we all went through was Softcat's IPO in uh, November 2015. Gosh, I guess that's more or less five years ago um, as we speak. Interesting. Um, and that was uh, a really fascinating time from my point of view, learned an awful lot. Um, and one of the questions we got asked all the way through was, you're not going to be able to keep your culture when you when you go through, when you're a publicly quoted company, are you? And all the way through, we were saying, actually, we are, because that's the one thing that differentiates us. Um, do you think things changed, Colin? And how did they change? Or did we did we manage to hold on to that? <laughs> it's a it's a great question. And as you said, uh, in the period leading up to the IPO, which was which is November 2015, so uh, as you say, exactly five years ago. Um, the period leading up to that, you know, the, the questions we got from from our staff and from you know our, 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 our customers, our partners as well was, you know, how are you going to keep that that essence that a soft cap within this PLC environment? Um, so again, it's, it's something that we worked hard on. But actually, I think I think the fact that we made you know, we, we made that commitment to our employees that we would keep the culture as it was, you know that. As you can imagine, a lot of the questions were, can we keep the incentive trips going? Will they allow us to go and spend all this money to go to Argentina or India, you know, on this on this end-of-year trip? And what was what was quite surprising for us actually was that as we got into working with the brokers uh, and the investors, um, the more they understood about our business and 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 the, what was behind our success, they're as you can imagine, small people who work in, in, in investors and brokers and, and, and this kind of thing. So they, they got to the number of it fairly quickly and saw that what made Softcat tick um, was our people, our culture, and, and how we did things. So they were actually encouraging us to, to, to keep everything as much the same as possible. So that was, that was something that was great for us to hear uh, and gave us that confidence to say, no, we're going to keep everything the same. Um, you know, you know, when I look back at it, I think... Um, the only thing really that changed from, from pre-IPO to post-IPO was that we were unable to be as transparent with our staff about uh, how we were performing from a financial perspective. And by, by definition, we couldn't make them insiders uh, into, into, into how we were trading. So whereas before, and, and part of our culture is transparency, we, we, you know, every month we give people an update on how we're performing. Um, yeah, we, we weren't able to do that. We would have to wait until we'd made uh, the public financial statements before we could go into more detail about the staff. So that's the one thing that I, that I can honestly say changed, you know, overnight from, from pre-IPO to post-IPO. The rest of it in terms of culture, personality, yeah, we tried our damnedest um, to make sure everything stayed the same. And 
you know, we, we, we took the same approach to, to hiring afterwards, uh, which was hiring all about uh, for culture and for, and for, you know, for fitting into Softcat rather than just for having a fancy schmancy person who, you know, came with this good PR or had a, or had a good job title. So everything else remained the same. And, you know, I think that's a testament to how serious we take culture of Softcat and that, that, that we weren't going to let it impact it. So, you know, I'm, I actually think when people ask me about did, did the IPO change you, I th I'll say no. Uh, getting bigger uh, as a result of our success is the, is, 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 the, is the element that was more challenging for us, just how do you keep that culture in a rapidly growing business? That's a natural challenge. The IPO was, was an unnatural one that didn't really change anything. I think that makes sense. But, you know, people always used to ask me, you know, has Softcat changed from the early days? And, and I guess I'd say, actually, it has. It's changed quite a lot. But that doesn't mean it's got worse. Actually, that means it's got better because as the company's got bigger, there'd be more opportunities for people. I think we got a lot, a lot, lot better at things like diversity and inclusion that maybe we weren't so good at in the early days. Um I mean, it wasn't on the agenda back in the late 90s so much as it is now. So that's, I mean, that's a massive improvement from where we were, I think. I think you've had a hand in quite a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like to think so. But I think you make a really good point there. And, you know, sometimes when I talk to, to, to soft catters who've been there 17, 18 years and they talk about change, I say, yeah, but guess what? The world's changed. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was acceptable in, in, in you know, 1997 is not acceptable anymore. What was yeah. As a good thing to do is not is not seen as a good thing to do. So a we've we've changed, we've grown up, and we've matured, and and b the world has changed anyway. But and, and, and yes, I, I, you know I think I've I've been able to add some focus in terms of uh, diversity, encouraging that how we deal with things like mental health within you know within Softcat and things like that, and just just making you know making sure that we're more more open about things like that. So it's it's you know it's a uh, it's an ever changing scenario, and and and, and you know. The challenges will grow and develop throughout the time, but I think we are far better equipped um, to, to, to work within that environment now than we were many years ago. Part of that's part of that's affordability as well. You know, you can you can afford to have people who are paid to think about diversity and and, and you know those sorts of things. And the, you know the um, learning and development function as to how we how we uh, integrate people into the business is, is now much more mature than it was many years ago as well. So. It's 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 a growth cycle that will never finish, really. Just listening to the the way you're talking, and I, I think it's something that we haven't really picked up on. Is uh, apart from maybe Sam's introduction at the beginning, we talk an awful lot about the importance of setting the tone from the top, and that coming down through the leadership team, but it actually being set by the leader, and the the way that you talk you are clearly setting an example of which then has enabled the culture to continue as it has. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. You know, it's stuff that we talked about incessantly. How do, you know, how do we make it a better place? How do we take this kind of nub of core soft cap values and bring it up to date and continue it moving in the right direction? And, you know, some of the stuff that, as Colin referred to earlier, that was acceptable back when we started, um, you know, rapidly became unacceptable. And I think we embraced that as a, as a business, as a group of people. Um, and I absolutely think Colin is key in, in, in that, and, you know, the, the, the warmth that emanates from the man is really important. 
and extends down through the organisation. Yeah, so. I, I, I think people can see when you're, yeah, you know, I'll use the word again, authentic about this and genuine about this. Yeah. And 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 it, it so it's very much important to set the tone from the top. It's very much important that the leadership team walks the walk and doesn't just talk the talk. And then as we grew the business in other offices, etc., that was that was you know essentially we would put a sales manager or an office manager into those um, into those new locations. And we would make it really clear that they were the custodians of Softcat culture for that business on a day-to-day -day basis. We, we as a leadership team, had overall responsibility for it, but on a day-to-day -day basis, they had responsibility for making sure that culture was alive and kicking and growing and developing in Glasgow, Bristol, Leeds, etc. So it was it was kind of everybody's responsibility that joint ownership yeah. culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it wasn't you know we were supposed to say we unionised it, but you know everybody had a stake in it and everybody yeah. felt. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, when, when we did those other offices, the person who set that up was always an existing softcat person. Take, take that the Olympic torch of softcat values with them. <laughs> Keep yeah, that flame we, burning. We That's talked, it. didn't we, on a previous podcast about accountability. And obviously, you, you everybody there felt accountable to, to carry that through to those different offices. So, uh, yeah, it's it's something you have to instill in you in yourself and in others as well. It's really important. Absolutely, absolutely. So one of the things that was a key part of my experience that I guess I took as normal, but from talking to other people, it really wasn't normal, is the, I guess, the inclusion amongst the senior team. You know, the fact that one of us wouldn't go off and do something else without consulting with the rest of the team, which meant that everybody was pulling in the same direction. Um, I felt that was really important. I guess I also felt there was occasionally a little bit of a downside in that we could maybe take too much time to build consensus rather than just getting on with it on occasion. Um, would you agree with that, or do you have a slightly different experience with that? No, I, th I think I agree pretty much 100% with that. And and um, you know, going back to one of the earlier topics, you know, when I when I came into Softcat, it was one of the things that surprised me a little bit as just just how democratic we were. Um, you know, you know you use the word consensus, which is absolutely right. That's the democracy about, you know. So either, as you say, if, if, if you were the department leader for you know, services in, in your instance, that you would come along and, and share that with the leadership team. I'm planning to do this. This is a good idea. You know, particularly you would want to make sure that the sales organization was 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 welcoming of that. Uh, otherwise, you'd, you know, you'd be going in a different direction. So there was the, I think there was just a practicality that made that a legitimate approach. Um, but then there were other things where, like, where if we made a decision within the leadership team, uh, we would then often take that to the, the broader management team, which, you know, started off as sort of 30 or 40 people when I was there, and by the time I left it was about 150 people, but we would take that to the management team and explain to them what we were thinking of doing, why we were thinking of doing it, and when we were thinking of doing it, and, and, and get some feedback on that and get the buy-in on that. And occasionally we would change our decision based on the feedback we were getting or just tweak it a little bit. Sometimes we would take feedback and say, okay, we've heard that, but for, for the following reasons, we think we're going to go ahead and do this anyway. Uh, and I think what that did, uh, as you say, the plus side of what that did was get people to feel that they were being um, consulted and that they had a say and that they had a, a view that could be heard. The slight downside was, you know, we discussed it as an LT would bring it to that broader management team and you know we'd maybe get some more feedback and some follow-up so it may add a few weeks to, to the journey of, of, of cracking on with what we wanted to do 
So whilst that sometimes maybe felt a little bit um, frustrating because you know you want to move on, and actually um, our agility uh, was was one of the things that, that set Softcat apart. But in the scheme of things, uh, you know, even even with that sort of built-in delay as a result of getting the feedback loop and, and, and that you know that um, consensus, even with that, I still think that we were far more uh, flexible and agile. Um, than, than, than any of our competitors. So it, it was absolutely the right thing to do. I'd rather do that and, and get people on side and take it with us. Um, and I, a, word, a word I use a hell of a lot when we talk about leadership, the word I use is followership. So I think it's really important for followership just to make sure that people come with you on that journey. So I'd rather, I'd rather get in the right place two weeks later than, than hurry off to the wrong place really quickly. So Yeah, and the, and the beautiful thing about that is that once, once we've been around the houses with the debate and the discussion, people are then bought into it. Vicky, you had some terminology for that, I think, in a previous podcast that we used about that kind of consensus through robust debate. I can't remember quite what was the phrase you used. Yes, and actually listening to the way that you were just talking about it there, I think it's absolute best practice for what we help other organisations achieve because what, what you clearly have... And what Softcat clearly has is is magic, and that was seen, you know, very recently on LinkedIn with vendor after vendor with Softcat winning the award, so delivering those results. But many of the organisations that we're working with aren't quite so. I'm going to use the word deliberate in the way that they they run their business. And what what Colin has just described there, I heard a phrase a while ago that was. A recommendation is a decision in disguise. And I heard that in in relation to um, a boardroom discussion. And if decisions are made and you haven't got the buy-in of everyone, then you think you've speeded up the decision-making, but actually you've just slowed down the alignment and the execution. So the, the, the methodology that we bring to our clients... We, we use the five behaviours of a team. And I'm not going to go into that in a huge amount of detail now. We'll, we're going to put a, a PowerPoint slide into the show notes. It's got a, a two-minute video that explains it. But ultimately, what you're trying to get to is have enough trust in the organisation that you can have that really robust debate and people can say what they really think. So that, as, as Colin has just described, you know, if something's been put on the table and it's other people have got some different perspectives that actually make that decision better, then, then that's the best thing for the business. And it does, it does two things. One, it, it sets you up for success because you're making a better decision. But two, you, you, you're achieving that followership that, that Colin was just describing as well. So, But there is a deliberate approach to go through that. And actually, once people have weighed in and that they're, they're not doing the passive aggressive, well, I'm just going to go do my thing anyway because I think my thing is better then they're much more likely to commit. But but I think what we, you were referring to was we say the difference between commitment and consensus is at least six months. Because the other, the flip side of what you've just described there, so my job as a change agent at VMware, if I was bringing something new to all of the regions across Europe and you know they, they didn't report into me, I just needed to influence them, then I would have to get everybody on board before 
we were able to to make that change and, and head off in that direction. And that, in my experience, is at least six months. And we can't afford to be waiting six months now. So it's okay. So it's that compromise between making sure that we've made an environment where everyone can be heard, but then making a decision and then saying, right, okay, let's go in this direction, agree what we're going to measure and the time frame that we're going to measure it in. And then we'll come back and, and look at it again if it's not working for us. Can we at least all be aligned? So it's the critical thing is getting that alignment and that followership, I think, that Colin was talking about. Cool. Thank you. So it didn't uh, the um, Amplified Group run a survey on this empowerment thing? We did indeed, Sam. So um, we did it a while back. Well, we're going to revisit it, actually, um, because the survey brought up some really interesting results. So we surveyed over 200 IT leaders in tech, because that's where we were focusing. And the report, which is now um, called, you know, how to achieve an agile organization within an empowered workforce, that's what came out of it. And these are the questions around what we asked were, you know, are you inspired and empowered? Is there loyalty? And is that rewarded within your organization? Is there belief that the best ideas win? Failures and mistakes are treated as lessons. And, and basically, are you happy and fulfilled in, in your job? And it was it was an amazing um, response to that because really what we ended up with is understanding that a high trust culture is so critically important to the success of your organization, really. Uh, so we're, we're going to put that, you know, Vicky mentioned there the five behaviours and putting that up on the, on the show notes or show tunes, as I call them. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think it's really important to, um, to put that report out again, because everything that Colin talked about there, it's about empowering your teams and, and then ultimately letting them do what they do best, but allowing them to have fun and being fulfilled in the job that they're doing. So we're going to post it up there, the report, in its full entirety, and you can take a look. But I think one final note I want to make about the report, what it showed us is companies can get to what we called a fork in the road. And it depends on how they treat their employees and if they put people first, which way that organization goes. They can end up being a tech dinosaur, as we called them, or they can end up like Softcat being a unicorn and I think that's all what what everybody wants to be is a unicorn right so let me just confirm that again I'll put that report up on the show notes um, and everybody can take a, a read of it and I hope that um, they'll get some inspiration from it. Brilliant thanks Sean. So Colin you've done your tour of duty at Softcat your, your eight magnificent years um, obviously you've uh, step down officially as of the beginning of August and your, your time comes to an end shortly. What, what, what do you do next? What happens now? Um, yeah, well, the future is unwritten as the, as the phrase goes. There's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the fact that it is a little bit unknown and, and I've yet to decide exactly what's going to happen. Uh, I've already taken up two uh, non-exec director roles with two small companies. They're, they're not quite startups, they're more in the, the scale-up um, kind of phase. Um, one of them in the tech industry or professional services around um, uh, adoption, um, uh, et cetera. And the other one, very different. It's, um, it's, it's tech-based, but everything in the world is tech-based these days. But it's, um, it's a focus on mental health and wellness, uh, which is applicable to individuals and for organizations like a soft cow or like anybody else. 
uh, to help them um, uh, provide better service to their employees as well. That's a, a company called Teacup, um, which comes from the old Sir Clive Woodward, the England rugby manager, his, his phrase about uh, thinking correctly under pressure. That's, that's where the teacup comes from. They're not obsessed with drinking cups of tea all day long, but uh, they might enjoy it. I didn't, didn't, didn't realise that. That's, yeah. that's interesting. So I've got those. I'm kind of interested in doing, I've been doing some some coaching and mentoring uh, through this uh, transition phase and stuff, and I've really enjoyed that. Uh, I like asking people difficult questions I've, I've, I've worked out, so um, I, I think I might do a little bit more of that. But um, I'll wait for 2021 to start and, and work it out. But as I say, I'm, I'm, I've got a really nice feeling about just thinking, what's it going to be? And I, I want to do things that, that, that I'll enjoy and that give me satisfaction but also where i think that i can add value to other people or other organizations so that's it's a nice place to be so you'll be busier than ever if you're doing that it's feeling like that already yeah <laughs> yeah fantastic um, so would you mind and it's hard to distill this stuff down but would you mind trying to give us three takeaways maybe for for our listeners for how you get through that rapid period of change and maintain the, the culture and the personality of your organisation? Sure. Yeah, three, as you say, it's hard to, to boil it down to three things, but l- let me try. I mean, and, and mine, are, mine are, as, as, as you've probably felt and experienced through this discussion, uh, which has been great fun, it's all about people, isn't it? So mine are less about you know business tips or things like that. But number one, lead how you'd like to be led. It's that simple. You know, just be the person and be the leader that you think you'd like to see in that position and that you can relate to that you can actually feel some 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 collaboration with and, and and feel that you're getting some assistance from so lead how you'd like to be led would be the first one and the second one again is it is all about the people you know unless you happen to be in an organization that makes the best widget in the world you know if you're apple you've clearly got something that everybody wants to buy so that's a bloody good starting place in most organizations it's actually about your connection with your customers, how you make your customers feel. It's looking for that, you know, that's a Simon Sinek thing about looking for your inner why. So with, with Softcat and with most businesses, it's all about the people because that's what your customers experience your company through, your people. So keep your people happy, keep them productive, keep them engaged, make them want to, to work hard on, on behalf of the organization. And then finally, the one I'll just say is, and, and I kind of probably come to this looking back um, and, and in, in, this nice, in this nice position where I am, where I'm thinking about my last eight years at Softcat, it's really about enjoying the moment, enjoying the now. You'll have pressures, you'll have challenges. Enjoy those. Look at those as challenges. Yeah, think about um, how you're going to get over that challenge and move to the next phase. Don't worry about things because worrying and fretting isn't really going to get you anywhere. It'll probably lead you to making bad decisions. So just enjoy the moment, enjoy the now, go with your flow. There'll be lots of things that are outside of your control. So just remember that they're outside of control. Control the things you can control. Don't worry about the things outside of your control. Just ride the wave and, and, and go with where it takes you. And I think if you do that and you've got the right people around you, the right people on the bus, you'll be successful. Fantastic. The um, challenges and opportunities thing. Uh, something to make you laugh you've got the manager who says don't want to hear about problems i want to hear about opportunities so one of his employees come up comes up to him and says well i think i've got a really big drinking opportunity <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Just very glad. On you know, on that note about as well as like not being too obsessed with success. You know, I, 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 I'm not I'm not a massive rugby fan. Uh, I, I like rugby, but I'm not a massive fan. But I listened to a fantastic podcast with Johnny Wilkinson uh, a little while ago, and and he talks about what success means to him. And it was staggering to sort of hear him say that. You know, when he was when he kicked that that that, that you know that drop goal, legendary one. drop goal, absolutely. And then he won the World Cup. He said, oh, in that moment, it was just the best feeling ever. Said, Ten seconds later, it was wasn't quite as good. Two hours later, it was kind of that's done now. And then after that, it was more about all right, how do we win the next World Cup? It was all about worrying about what the next threshold was. But. And he said that he looks back now and, and just wished he'd been more in the moment and, and, and not worried about things like that. And I, I, you know, I think that's it's a completely different scenario. But one of the reasons why Softcat has been so successful is because we've seen success as an outcome to being in the moment, having a great time, loving what we do, yeah. giving our customers a great service. And if you do all that, successful with the outcome. And, and so I, I can really relate to that. Do, do the right thing and everything else will follow. It kind of happens. Yeah. Brilliant. Right, Shah, we should probably talk about hero time, shouldn't we? We should. It's that time again. So as I always explained, that uh, hero time is there because we in at the Amplify Group have a, a brand identity, and that brand identity is a stick man. And he, he is called Hero because he wears a cape. But it's not about us being the heroes, but it's about our clients and making them the heroes. And the fact that they've recognized that by creating teams and bringing organizations like the Amplified Group in to help them unite their teams is going to make that place a better place to, to work. And, and really recognizing that their number one strategy is people and that that's actually one of their biggest competitive advantages. So when I say hero, asking our guests who their hero is, it doesn't necessarily have to be a hero, just somebody you admire or somebody that you think of and think, yes, you know, I appreciate what they've done. So it could be in your past or it could be currently, but just um, somebody that you have a huge amount of admiration for. So with that, Colin, put you on the spot. Um, what, what, would be, uh, what would be your response to that? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it does. It does put you on the spot a little bit, doesn't it? Um, so I guess what I've got to is I don't really think about having heroes anymore, but I do recognise that people do heroic things. That's absolutely true, and I think that fits in with with you know how we how you know how we think about um, heroism within business. Really, you know, we can all do heroic things. A really recent example of something that I think is heroic. Marcus Rashford, the footballer, campaigned relentlessly to get the government to turn around this crazy rule about no free meals during a non-school term time, and he's just been you know, amazing. So I really, you know, I really bow down to somebody like like Marcus Rashford. Um, and you see, so you see acts of heroism every day. And my conclusion, therefore, being that not everybody can be a hero but everybody has it within them to do heroic things. And I think that's what we should all look at ourselves and say, what can I do that will be heroic? I don't want anyone to think I'm a hero, but I'd like to do something that may be seen by other people as, as heroic just for a little day. So, you know, to keep it on the music theme, maybe it's a bit of a David Bowie thing. You know, we can all be heroes just for one day. So I, I, I think we should all look 
at ourselves and think about how can we do something that will be really heroic. And uh, you know, I think that's what I'm kind of thinking about in the future as well is how can I help other people and, and, and how can I, even if it's just for, for, for a little period of time, make a difference to some people. And that's a Brilliant. fantastic perspective, Colin. I, I love it. And that's what I love about this section of the podcast, because you do hear from people deep down what they're thinking and, and um, having uh, making heroic acts is, is, is great. And it's something we can do every day. And you talked about your mentoring earlier uh, at the Amplify Group. We offer mentoring as well. And, and it's my absolute favorite thing to do. I love it, not just because I can ask difficult questions, but I can actually feel for one day or for one moment when somebody says, you've changed the way I think and you've really helped me. Yeah. I feel a little bit like a hero. And I'm not ashamed to say that. I really do enjoy it. So probably, thank you for your perspective. Now you're probably walking, and you know, just that little bit higher. You know, you're yeah. feeling good for a little while, aren't you? And, and, yeah. Why and not? that is a hero, especially if you do this. This you just really make a difference to somebody's life. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It feels Thanks. really damn good to give back. You know, we've all we've all been very fortunate in our careers. You know, clearly, we've all worked hard as well. But isn't it great to be able to give somebody else a leg up? Yeah, because I think it's what drives us to do what we do. Mm. For, for you know at the amplified group i think it's it's why we do what we do we genuinely want to help people and but not just help the individuals help them navigate the teams that they work in that mm. Yeah, we used to say, didn't we, Vicky, if we can help one person wake up on a Sunday and want to go work on a Monday, whereas yeah. before they didn't want to go to work on a Monday, we've done our job, really. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so often that is because it's not because of the job that you're asking them to do is too difficult. It's because of the people that they're working with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So thank you, Colin. That's a, a great insight. I love that. Yeah, Cheers. really good. Very welcome. Thank you. That was magnificent. Colin, it's good, good to catch up. And thank you. Thank you for a, a, a magnificent six years of, uh, of my softcat career i really appreciated your guidance and your leadership and i'm sure our listeners will really appreciate that on uh, on this episode so thank you for listening for to get amplified from the amplified group your comments and your subscriptions gratefully received of course and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next one <laughs>